Thank you so much for joining me for this episode, Life Over Coffee. I am Rick Thomas. I'm glad that you are here. This is episode 295. It is in response to one of our donors who asked the question. Let me read what she asked, and then we'll jump into it. I got a lot of information. I'm going to hit you with a, a ton of information, so I need to get going. This is what the donor said. I have a new Christian friend who is interested in Bible reading plans. He has so many questions about God, life, and the Bible. It's refreshing. What do you think would be an excellent Bible, reading plans, apps, and other things you would recommend for a young believer? And that's one of the donors of our ministry. It was such a good question. I did respond to her uh, with the question that she asked, but also said, hang on, I got more to say. It was so good. I just wanted to put it in a podcast, and I think many of you are going to benefit this, benefit from this. But I, the only thing that I would add to her question, she says, "What Bible reading plans, apps, other things that you would recommend for a young believer?" What I'm going to share with you will be good for any believer. And so it's episode 295. The title of it is "Thoughts on Bible Plans, Studies, Memorization." and more. Let me get after it. And again, you can jump on these show notes. I have a lot of links here as always. And so if you want to go out and, and look at some Bible reading plans or apps or Bibles, so forth and so on, you can find all of those linked here in these show notes, episode 295. You'll find it under the Listen tab on our website. If you go to the Listen tab in the nav, the navigation bar, uh, just look, just scroll till you find episode 295, and you'll find these find these show notes. And so the the maybe one of the most important things that I could say before we get into the nuts and bolts of Bibles and apps and reading plans and so forth and so on, and how to do it and how to memorize, and all of that. Before I get into that, as you are helping a person to get settled on some reliable tools for growing in the Bible. It is absolutely critical that you keep knowledge and application in view. If you could think of it like two silos sitting in a field, both silos need to be full, not one. And what tends to happen so often with us Christians is that we will lean into growing in knowledge more so than growing in application. And that's what you will see in counseling all the time. If they know anything, they know something about God and Bible, Christianity, and the church. But where they are almost always weak is in the area of application. And so as you're helping someone, you want to make sure that you're filling up both of those silos. Because if all you have is knowledge, it could lead to arrogance, as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 8. Not only would it lead to arrogance, but it would lead to practical dysfunction. And so you want a person to have the right Bible, read the right Bible, have the nice apps and, and all of that. But you absolutely have to make sure that they know how to apply all of that information to their life or they could be what Jesus talked about in Matthew 23 of just whited sepulchers that they look good on the outside, but the inside is full of dead men's bones. And of course, he's talking to the Pharisees, people who were quite, quite knowledgeable in the Old Testament. And so keep knowledge and application in view. The formula is knowledge plus application 
equals wisdom. And so those are the three words, and that is the sequence. Knowledge plus application equal wisdom. And if you don't add application to knowledge, well, it will equal foolishness, the opposite of wisdom. All right, so I want to break this podcast down into several parts. One is Bibles and apps. Two is what to read. Three is how to read. Four, memorization. Number five, I want to talk about application. Number six, I'm talking about reading habits, reading habits. And then number seven, I want to talk about writing habits. Let's go. Bibles and apps, number one. There's all sorts of Bibles. And so you have the King James Bible, the New King James Bible, the New American Standard, the English Standard Version, the New International Version, the Message, the Living Bible, etc. Now, if you, as you think about Bibles, a good way to think about it is that Bibles fit into one of three buckets. And so the buckets are, there is the word-for-word translation, and there's a group of Bibles that go in that bucket, and then there is a thought-for-thought translation, and there's a group of Bibles that go into that one, and then there is, there is paraphrase, and there are Bibles that go into that. Now, Word-for-word translation, well, generally, that is your more accurate translation of a, of a Bible. It's a, it's, we call it a formal equivalence. It, it's equivalent. The English is equivalent to the Greek and the Hebrew in, in a more formal sense, word-for-word. Now, word-for-word translations, the King James Bible, the New King James, the New American, the ESV, those are word-for-word translations, and so I would recommend that you have one of these Bibles, that you keep that that, that be a primary study aid. And then you have thought-for-thought Bibles. That's not a formal equivalence. That is a dynamic equivalence. And so it's not as tight word-for-word. It's more expanded thought-for-thought. The New Energy. New International Version would go in that bucket, or the New Living Translation would go in that bucket. And then the third bucket is a paraphrase, like the Living Bible or the Message. And I don't even think of them as Bibles, to be honest with you. I mean, they say they're Bibles, but they're more like commentaries, just in common common language of, of how we talk. And so you, you could have one from each bucket, but make sure I would appeal to you to have a prioritization as far as the sequencing, word for word, best, thought for thought, come second, and then paraphrase if you want. I think we have some paraphrase Bibles around here, but I, I never I never look at them. I never read them. I prefer word for word, uh, formal equivalent translations. Now, the thing about word for word translations, for example, and it's important that you know this, the King James Bible is the most important Bible. It was published in 1611, but even though it's so good, there's some out-of-date language. Let me give you an illustration, and you need to know this. For example, uh, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not kill in the 1600s means something different than it does today. They understood thou shalt not kill as, as murder, thou shalt not murder. But when you say thou shalt not kill, that could mean just about anything. And this is where you, people will say, well, you can't kill babies, and you can't uh, put someone to death for a crime because thou shalt not kill. And they will tell you the Bible sh- Bible says thou shalt not kill. But what that actually means is thou shalt not murder. 
and so and we understand it that way. And so thou shalt not kill. You mean I can't kill a bug? I can't step on a cockroach? No, you can and probably should. But you didn't murder that bug. You didn't murder that cockroach. Those are two different things. And so it's important to know, like with the King James, for example, that what the word meant back then and what it means today, there can be some confusion. And you'll hear that where people will quote the King James to you to rebuke you, but they don't know what they're saying, like judge not lest you be judged, Matthew 7, 1. And so it's important with word-for-word word translations to understand that some of the language is, because it's word-for-word, word, it, it can be out of date, and you need to know that. I use an ESV Bible. That's just what I have, what, what I've been doing for a number of years now. I've also used the NAS. I've gone from King James to NAS to, to the ESV, and I'll, I'll sort through those. Uh, all three of those are, are very good. I have an ESV, well, several, a study Bible, also just a regular without the footnotes and so forth. A lot of people like the John MacArthur study Bible. That is a good Bible as well. And so there's a link here to both of those. And I also have an ESV app. There's a link here to the ESV store uh, or website to where you can look look at those. I'm not suggesting that you get what I get. I'm just saying that those are, are decent Bibles and you'll be okay with them, but please understand the three buckets. That's really the more important thing. All right, so Bibles and apps. Number two, what to read. What to read, it, it can be all over the map, and that's a positive statement. That's a good thing. And so you want to be eclectic in your reading. I'm going to give you some suggestions. These are just suggestions. You can take them for what they are worth, and then also you can ask others and create your own, uh, but you want to move around a lot when it comes to reading, and you want to read differently. Uh, you don't want to read the same way every time uh, because it stirs things up and it keeps the mind fresh. One example is reading the book of Proverbs 12 times a year, and all you do with that is is that you read a chapter according to the date of the month. And so on January the 25th, you would read chapter 25. On February the 3rd, you would read chapter 3. And so what would happen, there's 31 chapters, and so you could read the book of Proverbs once a month, 12 times a year. And that is not hard to do, and that would probably be one of the more amazing reads that you would ever do. I realize sometimes there's 30 days in a month, but you can probably take in two chapters uh, to get chapter 31 in. And so reading Proverbs, reading the four Gospels is critical, absolutely essential. And there are several ways that you can read the Gospels. I'll give you a couple of suggestions here. One is just read it generally just to learn the narrative. Now, for a young convert or someone that's not uh, familiar with the life of Christ and the stories of the Bible, just read it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, go and, and do that and, and then repeat. Another way that you can read it, and what I like to do when I read the four Gospels, I like to study the life of Christ. And so I will typically pick out a theme, and then as I read the four Gospels, I look for that theme. I just recently finished the four Gospels, and the theme that I picked out was the theme of persecution. The reason I picked out persecution is because we're feeling that these days. The conservative and Christian culture is feeling persecution. It's intensifying. 
and and we all know that. And so I wanted to read the four Gospels. I wanted to focus on Christ, and I wanted to see how he responded to the persecution because he was a persecuted soul. And so that's one way you can do it. A homework assignment that I've given to people, and I've also done this personally, is to read the four Gospels, study in the life of Christ, and here's the theme, paying particular attention to every time that he said no to somebody, whether he said it directly or it was implied. Because we struggle with fear of man, Many people are wrapped up in guilt and fear and shame, and they don't have the courage that they need. They, they don't have the firmness, the confidence that they need, a God-centered confidence. Studying Christ and, and how he responded, like to his relatives, because that's, that's a common counseling question. Uh, my in-laws are putting pressure on us. My parents are putting pressure on us, and, and they want us to honor them, which is usually code, meaning do what we want you to do. And, and the young couple has a hard time saying no. There's other reasons that you would want to read with this theme in mind, and so that's a, a way that you can do it. Another way is, is to read the four Gospels, and the theme when you're studying Christ is how he responded to people differently. And that is a phenomenal read. There is so much wisdom. He did not do cookie-cutter discipleship. Each person, even if they had this, a similar problem, he responded to them uniquely according to that individual. And so that's one of the ways that you can read. But the idea here is to read the four Gospels. You can read it just generally, go. You can read it with a theme in mind. That would be great as well. If you're going to pick out one of the Gospels, I'd recommend the Gospel of John. It's where he really exposes his deity. He reveals his deity. And this is a powerful Gospel, and it is essential reading if you just wanted to start by picking one of the Gospels. And then read the New Testament, the four Gospels, Acts, Romans, all the way through. Read the New Testament, and then you could pick out specific books of the New Testament like Ephesians, Philippians, James, uh, for different purposes. Romans would be good as far as sound, uh, grounding you in sound doctrine. Ephesians is a, a doctrinal book, the first three chapters. In fact, Ephesians is a good illustration of knowledge and application. The first three chapters of Ephesians is, is doctrinally sound, and then the four, five, and six, the last three chapters, are practically sound, and so the application flows out of the theology, and so Ephesians is a perfect picture of what I was saying earlier about two silos. Philippians is an excellent read. James is a practical read. Uh, James is a doer of the Word, and so there's a lot of good practical application there. And then, of course, you want to read the entire Bible. And one of the ways that you can think about this is as background reading, meaning, let's say, that you just read Genesis to Revelation and just read it as background, and, and then you focus specifically, like, say, Proverbs. I'm going to read Proverbs 12 times, the book of Proverbs 12 times this year. I'm going to read the Gospels. I'm going to read the New Testament. And so you can do both. Now, you do want to read the Bible from cover to cover. You need to know all the Bible, but maybe you can read it as background reading. And so number two, what to read, and of course you can add to that as well. How to read, number three. Well, there's a zillion ways to do it. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of how, of how I have read the Bible uh, in my Christian life. Now, first of all, I have a link here of assorted reading plans, and so if you click on that, uh, you'll it'll take you out to this website, and you could there, there's lots of those, and they're all over the place. So, one of the ways that you can read the Bible, if you do background reading and just reading the Bible from cover to cover, you could do 3.25 chapters a day, and you can read the Bible in a year, 
and that would be a great read. It's not hard. It's really not. Just 3.25 chapters. Read four chapters a day, and, and you'll be good to go. Another way to read, that's cover to cover. Another way to read is, is what I call panoramic reading. Now, there's two ideas here. Panoramic reading is where you take broad swaths of Scripture and read in one sitting. Now, here's two suggestions. One is to read a book in one sitting. You could sit down and read the book of Romans. You could sit down and read possibly the Gospel of Matthew, definitely Mark in one sitting. Or take two days and read Matthew. There's 28 chapters, read 14 a day. The Psalms would maybe be a little more challenging depending on your time constraints. Maybe three days to read the 150 Psalms. A lot of them are short. A couple of them are long, of course. 119 is very long. But the idea is to is to collect a broad swath of data. You see, the thing about reading 3.25 chapters a day, if you were reading the book of Genesis, it would take you a month, let's say a month to get through, or a long time to get through, whatever the math is. But by the time you got to chapter 50, you'll forget some of the things that were in chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. But if you read Genesis in one sitting or over two days, all of that stuff would just be there. Boom. It's like the difference between binge-watching Netflix versus watching a show from week to week to week. When you binge-watch a show, uh, you pick up on themes that you did not pick up on when you watched it over a spread-out period of time. And so that's what I mean by panoramic reading, reading one book in one sitting or you know every couple of days. Now, another way to do this is to read the Bible in 30 days. And I've done that a few times in my life, and that has been the most phenomenal read of all the reads that I've ever done. And it takes 2.89 hours to read the Bible, uh, per day, to read the Bible in 30 days. And you can do that. And you, you're talking about panoramic. Oh, my goodness. I mean, you're just, boom. I mean, it's just it's an incredible, incredible read. Lucia and I have done that a few times uh, as well. And so panoramic reading. And then another way is reading aloud. Reading aloud is really fantastic because you're not only reading it, but you're saying it and you're hearing it. So it's a richer read. And so I, I've done that one time and it was a fantastic read. I mean, you just have to, you either find the time where you can read out loud or you just read out loud with people sitting in the in the room. By the way, you could read it to your children aloud or read it aloud by yourself. Another read is backward. And I don't recommend this. I did it one time because I was curious. And what I mean by backward is starting in the book of Revelation, then going to Jude, then going to 3 John, 2 John, 1 John, and go all the way back to uh, Genesis. There's something about the flow of the Bible that it makes sense. And I did not necessarily enjoy that read as far as the flow is concerned. The content was great, but it was a little bit choppy because I was reading it backwards. Another way, I've, I've read the Bible on, on my knees uh, that is also a rich read. Read the entire Bible all the way through in a year or however long it takes. Read it on your on your knees. Uh, that is just an outstanding. Now, another is a pronunciation Bible. Read a pronunciation Bible. The pronunciation Bible is where you have to read all. It's kind of like reading aloud. If you read aloud, you have to. You can't really skip words. But a pronunciation Bible, if you read it, whether you read it aloud or not, it, it teaches, it, show, it helps you, the hard words, it helps you to pronounce the words correctly. And so that's a fantastic read as well. And then you can read and listen. And what I mean by that is that you can read your Bible as you normally do, 
And you can also listen to it on an app. Now, I do that. That's what I do. I'm reading the Bible, but I'm also listening to it. I have an app that they have a Bible reading plan, whatever it is, and they take me through the Bible an entire year as far as listening to it. And so that's my background reading or background listening, but then I'm also doing specific readings as well. All right, so I talked about Bibles, what to read, how to read. Now I want to talk about memorization. There's three ways to think about memorization. You can memorize verses, chapters, or books. Verses, there's a lot. Chapters, there's 1,189 books, there's 66. And so it's easier to memorize books because there's less of them. There's only 66. It's math. It makes sense, right? Chapters, 1189. There's, well, that's better than verses. But I started memorizing verses, but verses become like this boatload of marbles, and then they're just all over the place. And that's fine. But if you read chapter, I mean, memorize chapters, then, well, in my view, it's easier because now you're you're collecting a flow of thought, you're getting context, and it's just a richer way of memorizing. And then going to books is even better because now you have the whole book memorized, and that is a fantastic uh, way to memorize. Now, there may be some chapters that you want to memorize, like Psalm 23 would be a good one, Psalm 51 would be a good one, David's Confession, uh, some of the full mind of God chapters where God gives his full mind on a subject, like 1 Corinthians 13, he just he just declares his full mind on this idea of love. Or James 3, he declares his full mind on this idea of the tongue. And so there are some full mind chapters that you may want to memorize because it is He's talking about the same thing all the way through, and uh, those are excellent chapters to memorize. And then, of course, you could pick books to memorize. First John would be excellent. Philippians, James would be excellent as well. Uh, so memorization. Now, how to memorize. That's another deal. There's three ways to memorize, audibly, visually, and kinesthetically. And what I mean by that, audibly, you're listening with a, a recorder. And so when I do memorization work, I will recite it into a recorder, and then I will listen back. So I'm hearing it. I'm trying to take advantage of all the, the senses that I have, that I can, uh, so that I can get it into my brain. And so audibly is so you recite it into the uh, recorder, and then you play it back. And as you play it back, you're looking at it to see if you got it word perfect. So you're visually, you're audibly. I also recommend that when you do memorization that you use the same Bible all the time because there's a lot of times when I are reciting a verse, uh, I actually can see it on the page because I use the same Bible for memorization. It's like, oh, it's on the right-hand side down at the bottom. And so it helps me. It's kind of like a trigger of sorts. And so audibly, you're trying to take advantage of all these things. Audibly, you're, you're listening visual, visually, you're looking at it. And kinesthetically, like the King James Bible, for example, there's a rhythm to it. It's a purer English, and there is a rhythm to it, uh, which makes it easier. Once you get into the King James groove, it's easier to memorize. But also this process that I'm describing to you has a rhythm to it as well. And so it's like going to your prayer closet where you go to the same place every day to pray. You don't have to do that, but if you do, uh, then it's easier to get into the mode of what you're doing because it's just your habit. Uh, and so it's a kinesthetic way of memorization. Now, one last thing on memorization I highly recommend that if you do memorization, that you memorize late in the evening, and then you 
rehearse first thing in the morning. Now, there's studies on this. I can't get into it for time. But the idea is, is that the longer the gap is between initially memorizing and then coming back to refresh, the longer that gap is without interruption, the quicker it will submit, solidify in your mind. Think about it this way. You memorize at 7 o'clock in the morning, or you start to memorize something at 7 o'clock in the morning, and then you immediately hit the interstate, you immediately hit the office, you immediately hit the grocery store, you immediately hit the car line at school, and you hit email, you hit Facebook, you hit, and, and you have 10,000 things that happen between 7 o'clock and 5 o'clock in the afternoon. And then you come back in the afternoon and you try to re- remember what you uh, rehearsed at 7 in the morning, and it's harder to do that. And so what the technique is, is that if you memorize in the evening and just really work it out kinesthetically, audibly, visually, and you really work it out in your mind and just put it in there. And then the first thing you do in the morning when you wake up is that you remember, you start working on it, it's fresh in your mind, and nothing has come in between those moments. And again, there's been a lot of studies on this. Uh, I think the book that I read about this 20 years ago or more is Total Recall about memorization, but I, I don't know if that's book because I don't remember, which is kind of an odd thing to say. But this technique does work. And that's the only way that I I have memorized, that I will memorize uh, late in the evening, first thing in the morning, because quite frankly, it's just easier. All right. So I talked about Bibles and apps, what to read, how to read, memorization. Number four, uh, application. And I do want to, this idea of application is that and I'm, I'm just going to recommend that you jump on our website, that you have a mentor, that you have someone that, that you can hit up to where you can discuss things with. We have a zillion articles, videos, podcasts like this on our website. They're practical. They're as practical as practical can be. We have a forum where you can interact with us. And so we're offering our services Uh, But the person who's doing all this reading, you need to have somebody that you're interacting with so that you can ask questions, you can gain these practical applications, because again, without application, you'll just be very smart in the Bible, but relationally dysfunctional. Also, if your church does expositional teaching, our church right now, as of this podcast, is going through a series on Mark. It's going to take about a year to get through it. And I highly recommend that. And so if your church does that, go for it. Uh, use the church and, and let that be some of the supplemental uh, learning and training that you, you gather. Uh, and maybe even listening to sermons or ex- expositional uh, sermons online, uh, if your church doesn't do that. But again, you just want to make sure that you are applying things. Now, reading habits, when you start to read, here's a sequence. Number one, ask God to surprise you as you read. And so you enter into reading like like an expectant learner. You expect God to surprise you with grace. Number two, don't read like a, a legalist, meaning if something pops off the page, stop, study, reflect, share. Stop, study, reflect, share. Don't be that person that's got to do 3.2. I got to get through these three. I got to get through these four chapters today. 
and you just blow past something that popped off the page. If you read expectantly to be surprised, and then you are surprised, guess what? Surprise! Then you want to stop, you want to study, you want to reflect, you want to share. Don't forget to share part. Do not forget the share part, because the teacher learns more than the student. If you can communicate what you read, you will begin to own it. If you go out and share, hey, I was just reading this out of the Bible and this, da, 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 so forth and so on, the more you say that, the more you communicate what you're reading, you will start owning what you are reading. So read expectantly, expect to be surprised. When God surprises you, stop, study, reflect, and share the teacher will learn more than the student. And then another idea here is highlighting stuff. Highlighting creates ownership. When you highlight something, you take your highlighter, if you, if you do that in your Bible, if you take your highlighter, there's, you can read it, that's one thing, but if you go back and highlight it, then that adds another layer of ownership. Now it's yours one step higher than that is taking the ownership to the memorization level. And so highlighting creates ownership or writing notes out. If you have a wide margin Bible, which I have a wide margin Bible, or as I do, I, I journal and I have a journal for that. And so those are ideas about reading habits. And then let me wrap up with writing habits. We use a helpful four-part outline, which is part of the coursework for our mastermind students. And so they have a particular assignment that they have to do throughout their program, and there's four parts to it. I'll just read it to you and then try to hit it before we get to the end here. Number one, write out a the verse that pops out to you, write it out. Number two, explain, write out what, the, what you believe the biblical author meant. Number three, make a practical application to your life. And then number four, go share that application with someone. Write out the verse, explain what the author meant, make an application, share it with a friend. Thanks so much for listening. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.